Jasmine Todd and Caitlin. So we kind of just threw Caitlin in the midst of the fire and she handled it so well, but we felt that she definitely needed a proper introduction. The craziest part is I did not write any questions. I did zero research, which I don't ever do, but I was like, you know what? It's Caitlin. I spent some time with her. So we're just going to kind of have this as a conversation free flowing <laughs> okay because i mean at this point you're like big sis so you know we don't really need to we gotta you gotta ask no questions and we want to ask them yeah oh. <laughs> we just gonna kind of play this by ear and see where it goes all right this is a big d3 girl right here okay big big oh, girl. Lord. she she supports the d3 but before we even get into that i think everyone wants to know who is Caitlin? So where did you come from? <laughs> Who is Caitlin? Girl, I wish I knew. I'm still trying to find myself. No, I'm playing, but um, I'm Caitlin, everyone. Um, I was born in Fort Washington, Maryland. Um, I moved to Chicago with my dad when I was like seven, eight years old. So I went to high school and elementary school there. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to Ithaca College, was there all four years. And, you know, running track, trying to do my thing. Got a couple school records. I think it's two or three of them. Um, but yeah, I got a couple school records. And now I'm going to be jumping up two divisions to division one. Uh, and we'll be running at the University of Kentucky as a wildcat trying to make a name for myself on the, the D1 platform. So that's like the little rundown of me. Do we say like, go Wildcats? Yeah, BBN, go Wildcats, let's go Cats, baby. You know, already know how we do it. Big Blue Nation. So you also, so you run the 400. Mm-hmm. Did the 400 choose you or did you choose the 400? Yeah, I ain't had no choice. It was, either, <laughs> it was either that or go home. Okay, so in high school, so I started on the track in eighth grade. Um, I was doing like the one, the two, really just having fun with it because I didn't know what was going on. I was just going to practice every day and crying because that workout was mad hard for a little eighth grader. Um, and then when I got to high school, was still focusing on the one to two. I actually got the school record in the hundred. I think it's like 1294, like 1296, something like that. Um, and then from starting from my sophomore year, I had a couple of my summer coaches saying like, oh, like you need to try the 400, but nobody ever likes the 400. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not running the 400. Like you have to take a lot of convincing for me to, you know, move up, you know, 200 more meters and stuff like that, especially since, you know, I was already making a tiny bit of a name for myself. Um, think like my sophomore year, I, I won like freshman, sophomore city championships. It was either the freshman year or sophomore year, but, you know, I was doing pretty well. But then junior year was kind of a bust. Didn't really have a great time. Wasn't really improving that much. Was embarrassing myself almost every weekend. Um, and, you know, my summer coaches came back to me. It's like, yeah, Caitlin, like this 400 thing, we, we really think it's for you. Um, but like I said, me being stubborn and hard-headed didn't want to listen. Um, and then eventually I got to the point to where I was like, yeah, man, like running 12-9 isn't really going to do nothing on the state level. Like these girls are running at least 12-6 and faster um, if you want to make finals and be on the podium. Um, and the 200 was really, really inconsistent. Um, I hadn't PR'd in the 200 between like my sophomore and senior year. I don't even think I PR'd my senior year actually. So 
I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Um, was improving every weekend, even though I was running slow in comparison to, you know, what the big dogs is doing. I think my first um, 400 was like a 67, then I ran a 65, then I ran a 63, then I ran 62, then I ran 61. And then I started getting really inconsistent. And then I finally ran a 59. Uh, I remember calling um, Coach Potter from Ithaca and be like, yo, I just ran 59. And she was so excited because she was like, oh, my God, I really get to develop you and like have all this fun. Um, and then it, literally the rest was history. It's like once you touch sub 60, you pretty much have to stay with the four. I mean, you don't have to. You could be Fred Curley if you want. But um, you pretty much have to stay. And I've just fallen in love with it ever since. So who do you look up to? in the 400 there's so many great 400 runners oh my god there's <laughs> there's so many but my favorite is waddling jonathan because she is a division three legend herself um you know shorty i mean i wasn't there when she was there um but shorty was literally lighting it up i remember my dad like my senior year of high school when i was picking schools he's like well you know if you go d3 you might have to race her and i'm like me race this girl I'm gonna get my ass kicked um, <laughs> But, you know, she's definitely one of those people that I aspire to be because, you know, I'm kind of taking a similar path as her. Not the exact same, but, you know, she went from D3 to the SEC, um, was the 2019 Outdoor NCAA champion. From there, she ran a 49 later on that year, um, made the, the world team, was on that Doha 4x4 that won gold. And... I, like every time I think about her story, I'm like, like this is a person that I can be. Like it doesn't matter that you know my PR is 56 right now because if she can do it, then I can do it too. And especially to see so many other athletes kind of come out about how you know they weren't really good when they first started or they started somewhere where no one really thought they was gonna be, and then to be as awesome as they are, you know, I I just want to be the same way. Shout out to Wallen because she has been and it has been absolutely amazing watching that girl just flourish on the track just flourish okay. talk to her nice <laughs> but d3 so you're going d3 and jumping up to d1 mm -hmm. i think that it's not talked about enough those other divisions everyone kind of just d1 that's it that's where you have to go and yeah. i think d2 and d3 started showing the world hey we're here battling just as much as you guys i want you to kind of yeah. talk on that a little bit yeah, so I feel like it's always been fast kids in D3. Um, I feel like Division Three has never been slow. I think the issue is that since D1 gets a lot more attention and, you know, these are those are the kids that, you know, probably get in contracts as soon as they finish their last race. Um, a lot of Division Three and Division Two kids can get overshadowed and looked as like the slow kids, which is really not true, especially after Outdoor Nationals this past, um, this past season, literally like a month ago. Yes. Man. Listen, so the time that I ran um, this year in prelims was a 56.27. And last year, if I would have ran a 56.27, I would have made finals. But last year, I ran a 55, so I made finals. So that wasn't really an issue. But it just shows you how much track and field is elevating on a Division three level. Um, and I, I wasn't even mad. Like, I got 11th. I, was, I wasn't mad that I didn't make finals. It's like, like, these girls are running fast. Like, the girl who won... Um, Kayla Armstrong, she was actually at USA's this past week. She ran a 53-7 something. And I'm sitting here like, dude, like if, if, this, if this is not an example of what Division Three kids can do when you actually put faith in them, I don't really know what else to tell you. Um, this one girl that's in my conference, two girls in my conference actually, Susan and Madeline, they both go to the same school. Both of them too, running 54s. Um, 
like I, I have to deal with them every single weekend. Like, this, this, like we're not slow. These are people that definitely have the potential to go as far as they want to if they choose to. And so I would just say, you know, if people paid a little bit more attention, then they would know that D3 kids have always been here. Um, and it's D3 kids that want to go pro too. So, you know, if you see them on the circuit in a couple of years, like don't even be surprised. Like JP Vaughn, I know he want to go pro. Um, who else? I, I think Jameer Beasley from, from Rowan, I know he want to go pro and, and all these dudes and all these women, you know, they got a lot of hard work ethic that is the same, if not better at the division one level. Um, so I just wish a lot more people kind of paid attention to us and understood that. I think that's absolutely amazing. And I feel like you could give a word to these high schoolers because high schoolers always think D1, 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 that's where I need to go. And like we just talked about D2, D3, they produce athletes like there is no tomorrow as well. They're just the underdogs that shouldn't be underdogs. What word do you have for high schoolers when it comes to selecting a school? So I would say select the school, not the division. I low-key stole that from somebody. I forgot who I stole it from, but <laughs> select the school, not the division. Go to the coach and the team that you feel like is going to produce the best athlete out of you. Don't let these big names and big lights like outshine what's really, really going on and what you really need. Um, and I will also say, stop chasing athletic money. Like, yes, it's great to want a full ride, but when you start to realize how fast these men and women are getting, you are more likely to get an academic money than you are for asking and begging for pennies at the division one level. Like I said, it, it, it's, it's not bad for you to aspire to want that, but it's important to understand that you have options. So let's say if you do decide that you do want to go D1 or there's a school that you really want to be on and the coach is telling you, you know, you, they don't got no money for you. There's other options. There are academic options for you to be able to be on the team that you feel like is best for you. Same thing goes on the D3 level. You know, we can't give any academic, any athletic scholarships, but you know, there's a lot of academic opportunities, like literally be talking to coaches, how like these schools be sitting on millions of dollars worth of academic scholarships, but people don't know about them. People don't want to try to get them. So, you know, those two or three kids that actually apply, you know, they get their tuition paid for, but it can be more than just two or three kids. So I would really encourage people when they're on their shirts, when they're on their search, forget the whole D1, D2, D3, JUCO, NAIA, talk to the schools and the coaches that you feel like is going to develop you and please do not care about what anybody else is going to say in terms of oh you're going to look bad if you go juco or if we do d2 or d3 or nai no because i promise you there are many many kids on all of those divisions who would dust you they would yeah. dust you quickly and, and and that's not like oh like there's one two or three no there's a there's a shit ton of them and they and, and they will do what they got to do because at the end of the day everybody's trying to make it so do what's best for you don't really care about no one, what nobody else thinks and please consider academic money when you are looking um, for a way to pay to school pay for school i love that and just for another example for you guys out there tuning in just like she's juco i think a prime example is deja stevens she mm -hmm. One thing about Oregon is they're going to get them some transfers. And a lot yeah. of the transfers are going to come from D2, D3, JUCO. She came in from JUCO and Olympian. Like, so definitely, definitely don't put your hearts out. Like, it's great to have that aspiration. But like she said, go, go to the school that's going to fit you best. Don't worry about the division. Very important. And now I got to kind of double back really quick because... <laughs> You mentioned your dad and growing up with your dad, but yeah. we also heard your dad is Twitter famous. So, yes. So, before <laughs> I, this is not funny. Okay. 
it's funny because I remember like when I had made my Twitter and my dad was so pressed about the fact that I was not following him. Like he would come to me every day. He'd be like, Caitlin, why are you not following me? I'm like, dude, come on. Like, can I be a child for once in my life without my dad hovering me? Um, but no, he listen, so my father loved track his track and field just as much as I did or do. Um, he was writing a book and stuff too, Car Rays and Catherine. He would just he would just really into, you know, talking to people and like having fun because. When he was in Chicago by himself, um, he really felt like he didn't have a lot of friends. So I felt like, you know, him being on Twitter and being able to talk to people that actually like was into the stuff that he was into, it, it was easy for him to just talk to them. And then from there, he just gained his following. I'm pretty sure he had like close to 5,000. I know he was in like the 4,000 or something like on his Twitter. But I also remember one time he posted on his 60th birthday and he, it was really some dad photo. He's like, <laughs> and it went viral I'm like why you get all these likes like what the fuck is going on but my dad was just one of those people who you know he really was committed to making sure that everybody that he talked to whether it was an adult a child whatever anywhere in between that they understood they had a person behind them and that whatever you put your mind to that he was going to be somebody that was there that was going to help you literally unprovoked like I remember so many you know athletes and like um, parents coming to me before he passed away being like, yo, um, like, can you help with this? And he would just take it to a whole different level. He's like, I'm not just going to help. I'm right the blueprint for you. And so many people would be like, yo, like he helped me so much because there's not a lot of people in this world, especially in the track and field world that will take their time to make sure that they help you and end up in the place that you need to be. He genuinely cared about everybody's development, whether they were a coach, an athlete, a parent, a fan or whatever. And so I just feel as like, I feel like the, Feel as though the way that he, you know, showed that compassion and passion for track and field really showed through his social media. And then, you know, people gravitate towards stuff like that. It's hard to hate a person um, that just continuously shows so much love. I think that trickled down onto you because I think that a lot of that trickled down onto you. But I, you mentioned he wrote a book. Can you talk to us about this book? Yeah, so he wrote a book called Raising Catherine. He thought he was being slayed, like, oh, like nobody's gonna know. I'm like, dude, everybody knows that's my name. Like, I'm Caitlin Catherine KK. Like, come on now. <laughs> we know what's good. We ain't slow. But, you know, um, he wrote a book. It was pretty much about him raising me um, and the stuff, the trials and tribulations that he went through being a single parent. Um, because my mother passed away when I was nine months. And so it's literally been me. It was literally me and him for 21 years. Um, and so he just really wanted to have a chance to share his story because something else that he was really passionate about before, you know, I got in the track was really making sure that um, <coughs> single fathers were able to feel comfortable in taking care of their children, not just any old children, but like their daughters in particular, um, because a lot of, there's a lot of, um, girls out there that don't have their fathers and so he just wanted to be able to tell his story in hopes that other people will be able to learn something and be inspired from it and be like hey you know I might not have this I might not have that and this might be all that we got but I may like I can find a way to provide um, for my child or my children and make sure that they have the best of what they need but then also make sure that I make myself happy so that way I can continue to make them happy. So where can we get his book at? Okay y'all can get it on Amazon um, I'm not going, 
so I have my book at home, but since he passed away, I don't know like where the money and stuff goes. And I don't even know if it's still on Amazon, but I'm, we gonna, I think it, I think it is still there. Cause I, I haven't checked, uh, I haven't checked since December, but yeah, as of right now, I think you can find it on Amazon. Okay. So that's going to be one of the projects we got to work on. We got to yes. make sure that book is still on Amazon and yes. girl, we, we need to figure out where the money's going. So yeah, I know, I know it's just so much going on. Like since he passed, so like, I, like that was, I haven't even thought about that until you said something. It's okay because that that's going to be a project that we work on. We're going to make sure that, that book's out there. I think that it's, that's beautiful. I yes. think people want to read it. I kind of want to dive in and read it. So yes. We got to figure out, make sure it's still on Amazon and also make sure that income's coming right back to you. Okay. Yeah. yeah we got your pocket. Okay. <laughs> Girl, after that ticket I just got. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to put money in your pocket. Okay. Come on. Come on. You get it. You get it. But yeah, I mean, I would love to to have more people um hear my dad's story. He was actually in the in the works of writing another book to follow up to it, but never got a chance to finish it. But, you know, I just feel as though there's a lot of inspiration that could come from what he wrote. And he inspired a lot of people before he passed away. And so my hope, as you know, his living legacy is that him, like he can still inspire people um, despite not being here. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, people reading the book and telling me what they think. Okay, so y'all heard it here. We're gonna figure this out and we'll come back. We'll we'll follow up on this end. It's our project. So <laughs> again, like the apple don't fall too far from the tree. You are killing it in the game of track and field media. I got introduced to Caitlin from the magic boost um that we have. We had a series of classes. Actually, no, we talked before then, remember? Caitlin and I really did do an interview back in December and it was uh, what we love to talk about yeah and out here in track girl listen so y'all I did a pro so I had a project um like a capstone thingy or not a capstone thing my brain is broken I had a capstone oh, project for <laughs> for one of my sport media classes and we can literally do whatever whatever we want to and I'm like yo black women track and field fashion let's chat about it because I personally felt like, you know, being running in upstate New York, being a division three athlete, you don't see too many girls that decide to have these on their fingers. Um, not this long anyway. And, you know, hair down to their ass. So I just felt like it would be cool to, you know, to, to like figure that out, um, see what's up. You know, there, I'm, I wouldn't say that I was the only person at my meets or the only person um, in upstate New York that, um, <laughs> that decided to, you know, have long nails lashes full face of makeup hair to their ass 30 inch bust down like you know that was that wasn't the only person but it definitely wasn't too many people like there's definitely a lot of weekends where I do remember where I was the only person and feeling a little like out of like out of whack with it and I know it's definitely took me like two or three years before I got comfortable enough to even want to have my nails like this is the first time I had my nails this long y'all like it's never been like this um welcome to the club okay it's the first <laughs> time I've had my hair this is like I've had really long hair but this is past my butt y'all this it's a lot it's a lot going on and you know I just felt like this was a part of track and field that a lot of people see but a lot of people don't talk about like yeah we talk about it to ourselves but I feel like it deserved a lot more attention and we definitely needed to dive into the history into like what was going on 
And, you know, especially with Sha'Carri coming on the scene um, back when she was in college and, you know, the first two years that she went pro, like everything about her was like nails, lashes, long wigs and everything. And so I felt like we, I owed it or we owed it to the female track and field community to, you know, highlight those things because it's also not just her that does it. There's so many, like, Jasmine, you you already see it. Um, that's why I interviewed her. Jasmine's in on the move. Like, Flojo was there. Gail Devers was there. Like, whole bunch of beautiful Black women that were, that are just in this. And I just think, I think, I just think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I just admired it so much. And so from there, talked to Jasmine, got my project going. I was supposed to publish it. I never did. Maybe I'll, um, I right, city is to post it so that way y'all can actually see what I was what I was able to bring together and cultivate. But yeah, it, we black women in track and field, we beautiful. That's all I got to say. Chef's kiss because yes, we are. All right, <laughs> period. So then you heard about Magic Boost. How did you hear about Magic Boost? Okay, so I'm gonna be straight up. I heard about Magic Boost last year. I applied and I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like, you understand? My heart was broken because I'm like. Y'all telling me y'all gonna take me to Prefontaine Classic. I get to work with all these people. Like, girl, my heart broke. And like, I don't know, not for not for real, for real but I, I was kind of sad about it because it's like, you know, I really do take track and field media to heart. Um, I was really looking for a way to kind of elevate myself because most of my popularity really just came from tweeting about track and not even in a, in a professional fashion. Like, I literally be like, oh shit, world record just got broke. Like, I was literally, I was literally just on the internet chatting. For real, for real. And so, um, you know, from there, you know, I was a little bit bummed about it. Didn't really know if it was going to happen again. But I think my teammate, Ian, he actually saw it on Twitter. And he came to me, I think, and it was like, yo, like, you got to apply for this. And I'm like, oh, like, I already applied to that last year. So I was a little bit hesitant because I didn't get it last year. So I was like, I don't really know what I've done differently between this year and last year and this year to kind of get my, my foot in the door. I was like, you know what, F it, like, I'll try it. I'll see what's up. Um, I actually ended up getting it, but it was crazy because I applied two days before the deadline. So I was like, I don't have no essays written. I literally have not written anything different between last year and this year. So I'm be sitting in the same work. Um, I think the only thing that I really, really changed was my um, my reference person. <laughs> but yeah. And then it, it was history books from there. I, I get the email. It's like, yo, you've been accepted in the magic books. And I'm like, what? We actually in this bitch this time. Let's go. <laughs> so the crazy part about this, guys, is y'all heard how she was so excited about pre, right? Oh, man. Oh, oh, man. I mean, it was for a very good reason. Caitlin didn't actually get to participate in pre. I think it would have been even more. A lot was already happening in the media. It would have gotten more hectic had Caitlyn been there. Oh, Lord. I would have been cutting up. But I, know I would have been cutting up. She didn't make pre, but I, I I have to give big props out to you, Caitlyn, because... Why? Pre was a warm-up, right? I feel like it was a warm-up for me. Like, okay, I, I got my toes wet. I know how to do this. Now, Caitlyn got the pleasure to come out and work the mid zone, work with Sidious Mag at USA Champs. Yeah, we they, they, they threw me in the fire with that one. I ain't even gonna cap. They threw me in the fire. 
how was your experience? Because girl, like we really threw you on the fire and you handled it so well and so gracefully. And you actually miss popular out here. They loved you. So let's talk about it. All right, let's chat. So I'm not going to hold you. I don't know if I got an answer, mainly because the way that I got into track and field media was through Moscow, Illinois. Shout out Tony Jones. Shout out Pierre. Y'all really got me into this thing. But um, when I first started doing stuff with them, I was doing like pre like post-race interviews. When I say they was bad, like they were so bad. Like if you ever find my interview, like you can probably find my interviews on the internet, but please don't go looking for them because they're really bad. You're gonna be like, who is this chick? <laughs> I was stuttering over questions, didn't know what to ask them, asking them the same thing. Like people would be giving me one word answer. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, I never wanna do post-race interviews again. Just give me a computer. Give me paper, paper, pencil. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do this post-race interview stuff. So I didn't really know how USA was going to go. I, I was definitely stressing about it because I was trying to figure, up, figure out a plan. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then I talked to Chris. He calls me. He's like, yeah, so here's my idea. We're going to hire you in the mix zone. I'm like, hell is the mix zone? And, you know, him and the other um, leaders of the Magic Boost program explained to me what it is. And I'm like, so y'all gonna have me doing post-race interviews. When I tell you my heart sank, I was like, I'm about to embarrass myself. One of the biggest stages of the track and field and they are never gonna have me back here. They are going to regret sending me here. Like they're going to regret it. And so literally freaking out the whole week, but I'm like, nah, I can't like you, you just go. And so the way that I wanted to handle it was like, you know, I already had a story that I had planned out. Let me just interview the college athletes, get the quotes that I need from them. And then, you know, just be working on the story the whole week. Eh, wrong. That's not what happened. Chris is like, yo, you see that person go interview. I'm like, yikes. I don't what. And so I'm, I don't remember the point at the, the time in which I told myself like, hey, just be yourself. You know, let that Twitter personality show through. But, you know, it, it just happened. Uh, who was the first person I interviewed? I think the first person I interviewed was Donovan Brazier. I, I think I only got one question out of him. And the next person I interviewed was Brandon Miller from Texas A&M. And I think it was with him when I genuinely was like, all right, I, I, I'm going to ask this dude questions and, I, and I, I'm going to get hyped with him. I'm, I'm going to see what's up, see, see what kind of answers he can give me. And that was the best thing that I could have done because literally every interview from then on out was, it, it, it was a hit. Like, and I don't really like bragging about myself. So, you know, as I say these things, I'm saying them very, very lightly. But the stuff was a hit. People loved what I had to bring. People loved what you had to bring. People loved what we had to bring. And I think it was refreshing um, to, you know, for people to be able to see those other kind of sides of athletes because, you know, people, they always got to put on a face, especially D1 kids. They got to be, can't be acting a certain way, right, kind of thing. Um, and I think I was able to help these athletes show their personality while also, you know, not making them look like crazy people. Shout out to Chris for throwing you out there like that because first of all the fact that you thought you was gonna just hit a certain group and go into a laptop she far from that I don't did you even touch your laptop I did not touch my on oh god I did not touch my laptop all week I got back home and it died it was dead <laughs> I didn't touch my laptop all week and it's funny because Chris during the week he's like I think you should bring your laptop to um to the mix zone I was like all right bet <clears throat> but the way that we was moving around and stuff I didn't, I don't think I remembered it when I got back. I, I, yeah, I just didn't touch it. This was the first time that you've been around professionals. Oh yeah, man. So I have never seen a professional athlete in person before this past week. 
And it was crazy to me because <laughs> literally I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on these flights. I feel like I'm going to have to see somebody because, you know, we all go into the same place. Didn't really see no professionals. I saw all the, you know, really cool um, college kids. And I'm like, okay, all right. Ain't nobody out here. I'm about to be fangirling over. I mean, it was a couple people, but they, you know, they still college kids, right? So Chris gets off his flight. He comes to badges claim. We get, I get my bags and I'm chilling. I look, I look over and I'm like, hold on a second. Is that Justin Gatlin? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? So I was going to ask Chris if that was Justin. Bro, before I could even ask, Justin Gatlin comes over to us. I'm like, what the hell are you going to talk to? Bro, he's like, he's talking to Chris. He's like, yo, good luck, man. Excited to see what you do this weekend. And I'm like, yo, I'm like a half a step away from Justin Gatlin. Like, if I wanted to. <laughs> Like, I could, like, I could deck him in the face. Like, I would never do that because that's crazy. But, like, if I wanted to, like, I could, I could, do, I could do this. Like, I could touch the dude. I'm like, this is crazy. But, you know, you know, I've been told, you know, all week, got to keep it composed. So, you know, I didn't say nothing. I just smiled at him. I think I shook his hand or something. I don't know what I did. But, you know, I, I wasn't acting like, you know, how I was acting on camera. But I was like, oh, shit. And that really put me on, like, what was going to be happening this weekend. Then we get to the track meet. I'm like, oh, that's Grant Holloway. That's Ryan Benjamin. That's Michael Norman. That's the little mom. I say, yo, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all got to send me home because I'm about two seconds away from screaming in everybody's faces right now. Because it's, I literally, I didn't be talking about these people. Like, it's crazy because I remember in 2019, we was at practice during Doha. And I remember Grant winning the 110 meter hurdles. When I tell you, I looked at my phone and started screaming up and down. I said, oh, shit. Grant Holloway just won 100 centimeter hurdles. Everybody at practice looking at me like, who? I'm like, the hell you mean? Who? Like, like this that dude. This that Wow. This that dude, bro. Like, what do you mean? So, you know, to be able to be around the people that, you know, I've literally been talking about for years since high school, since college. It was really cool. And I especially love the weekend because... I got to, you, you really got to understand that these people are like, they're just people. Like the only real difference is that they just a little bit more athletic than the rest of us and might have a couple more dollars than the rest of us. But really all of them that I got a chance to meet, got a chance to sit down with. I mean, it, it, it just solidified the fact that this is definitely the space that I want to be in. And, and these are definitely the kind of stories that I want to share because like I said, people don't, don't really get, get a chance to see this, the side of them that I got to see this weekend. Man. We got to see a completely different side. I think one of the notable things is realizing how comfortable the athletes were once they saw our presence being there and just having these interviews. I got so many compliments on how comfortable they felt, how happy they were that the mix zone's changing up. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about the mix zone. I think something that's important to talk about is the diversity within the mix zone. You, you know, got to see this firsthand, so let's let's get into it. All right, now I've been telling people for the longest amount of time I was gonna change track and field. I don't know how I was gonna do it. I don't know when I was gonna do it. I don't know what the hell was gonna come of it, but I was gonna fucking do it. Sorry <laughs> for the so you know all the adults that have been following me for a long time. They're gonna be like, "Dang, Caitlin, he had a potty mouth." I'll be like, "Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Please be like please, that. Just be like that." But anyway, <laughs> um, I said I was gonna change track and field. I meant that from the first time that I said it to right now. I meant what I said. And the first thing that I saw that needed to change was what was going on in the mix zone. Um, 
I hope I don't get no no flame flame for this. I hope I don't get no you know no heat for it. I mean, even if I do, the way that you create changes by talking about with about the realities and the truth that's going on, but it's a bunch of old white dudes in there. Um, and this is not discrediting their work, what they've done, because honestly, me and you and the rest of us would not be here if they were not the ones to sit down and say, hey, track and field needs better and more coverage. So, you know, I ain't discrediting that at all. I, I, I greatly appreciate the things that they've done and the way they've elevated track and field. However, there's no reason why I should be that many of y'all. The reason why me and you are able to get the stories that we get is because people feel more comfortable with us. And you know what? I get it. A couple of people feel like it's dangerous that they only want to speak to us and to speak to other people that look like us. I get that. I can get why you kind of feel left out and why you kind of feel excluded. But I feel like something that you got to understand is that you don't deserve access to everybody. Just because we're the media and we got these passes around our neck don't mean that we deserve access to every single person that we, that comes across us. If people didn't want to talk to me, I'm not going to have an issue with it because you know what? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're thinking, but it's just going to have to be that. And, you know, it don't got nothing to do with like racism and all that other stuff. Like, you know, if you listen to this, don't drag it. Don't don't take it over the top. But what it just means is that you need to learn how to respect what people say. I know a lot of people got an issue with Shakari and what she does and whatever, whatever. But lover or hater or whatever, however you feel, what she said and the first time she came through the mix zone a couple of days ago was completely true. Y'all need to respect what athletes need and what they want. And if they don't want to speak to you, they do not, like, they don't owe that to you. If you need a story to write, there are a gazillion other athletes in the stadium where you can get a story out of and do what you got to do. Like, it's really not that hard. It's not that difficult. You know, if you can't get nothing out of the athletes, you can go have fun with the fans, get some quotes and stuff out of them. But there's, there's, there is a way to go about this stuff and be respectful like I said before, just because we got these credentials around our neck does not mean that we that we deserve our old access to every single person that comes across us. And I think it's important for people to respect that. Um, but yeah, yeah, let me stop before I, before I start getting a little too quickly. <laughs> Going too far into it. No, I think that was beautifully said. I think uh, Titi actually had posted a tweet where she was giving us praise. And I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me is she noted the fact that we don't focus on whether these athletes are winning or losing, we're allowing them to have fun mm-hmm. and be them. Now, when we talk about having fun and being them, you guys need to go listen to the interviews that are posted on Sidious Mag because now I got to ask Caitlin, like, you be coming up with some questions. I do be coming up with some questions. So if you haven't learned from this podcast by now, I, I'm I'm psychotic. I'm not psychotic. I'm just a little cuckoo. Um, but it's not even really that for real. I just like having fun. I'm a really energetic person. Um, I love showing up as what one of my mentors calls as my authentic self. Thank you, Ashley. Um, but yeah, I just I just feel like it's important to just be yourself. Like if I would ask these stupid ass questions to my friends, why would I not ask it to you? Like I remember I asked Randolph, I was like, what's the, what's the nastiest thing you would eat for a world record? And the boy looking at me like, the hell she just asked me? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, bro, tell me what's up. He's like some bug. And then he goes on to say, you're going to eat a caterpillar. And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm not really asking about his performance. Yeah, whatever. But there's other people in the mix zone who have provided interviews. If you want to learn about his performance, you can go listen to theirs. But that's not what I came here to do. Yes, there will be interviews where I will ask them about the performance. Or if you continue to listen to what they're saying and the, the, 
the responses that they provide, you will see that they are talking about their performance, but you have to sit and you have to listen and you have to be willing to endure their personality and my crazy ass personality. All right. So that's what I really want to bring to the table when it comes to my interviews. Like, I, you know, I've tried to do the whole hard journalism thing and I definitely think it's important. And there are times where that, that is a space that I want to be in. But there have been way too many athletes, fans, coaches who are just like, nah, bro, like I want to show my true self. And I'm like, hey, well, if they want to show their true self, I got to show up as my true self, too. And this is me. Jasmine knows she was living in the house with me for almost five days. So like, this, this, like, bro, this that's crazy is. and I love it. <laughs> OK, this, this is how it is. It's how I'm going to continue to be. Um, and like I said, I, like, I know how to be serious when I need to be serious. But at the end of the day, if, if this is what the athletes want and this is how I already am, then why not give it to them? Oh, this this is me giving a round of applause because that was so snap, snap. Come on, snap, snap it around. And then I gotta get into some of our little insiders for the people that actually do listen to Sidious. Yeah. So top three that have been in the gym. Top three that's been in the gym, baby. You should ask me this question because I gotta give you like 10. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you who been in the gym, all right? Mr. Rye Benjamin. <laughs> he's he been in the gym for a minute like i could tell he definitely been in the gym okay um randolph ross has indeed been in the gym <laughs> i'm coughing i was nice on my chest my chest yes randolph he has indeed been in the gym who who else been in the gym um you know oh, i grant has also been in the gym this one for you grant we noticed we see you definitely uh-huh. been in the gym sir me and jazz and we've seen it we've seen it well, hold on, hold on. Don't y'all take that too far now. Don't okay, don't y'all yeah. be don't y'all be going over here doing too much now that I just said that. Look, don't do too much with us talking about who's it's been just, in it's just a compliment. A compliment. Okay. okay. It is a compliment because I know some of y'all are gonna take this and run with it and they're gonna be like, oh, okay, oh, oh, like, no, you just look no. good. All right. Okay, it's All just right. a compliment. We not for the streets. We not, because we're not. <laughs> we get them sometimes, but we're not for the streets. We like to give compliments, flowers, where do. So y'all see why <laughs> me and Jasmine work so well? Because we're so hilarious. Okay. <laughs> the next question, <laughs> because we had a whole hashtag going, get Caitlin to Worlds. Will Caitlin be at Worlds? Oh man, we we working on it. We working on it. We gonna see. We definitely trying our hardest to to get me in there. Um. Can't can't say nothing too much yet because I don't want to jinx nothing. But you know things are looking pretty good. I might end up there. Um, and if not, you know I'm gonna still try to do some stuff for y'all. That's gonna, gonna get it popping. Go get it popping. Go get it popping. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get Caitlyn to worlds because y'all know. Think one thing too. There's no me without Caitlyn. Like I mean, there is a me, but like we're just better together. You know. Okay. Thing so- one and thing two, baby. If you guys want the same content that you guys were getting at USA Champs at Worlds, we got to get Caitlyn. Get Caitlyn the Worlds. Um, that shoot, yeah, donate to the to the Sidious Venmo, which is Sidious Bag. I think. But yeah, if y'all want to see me there, y'all want to see me get some good content, please help a sister out. We really trying to make sure that I, I'm trying to be. I, I'm just doing whatever what the athletes and the fans want. That that's what that, that's what I'm here for. That's all I'm doing. Y'all saw the magic we brought out there. So I think we really need it there. Caitlin, my little sis, I'm so excited to continue working with you. We got big things coming. We're changing the game. Yes. Track meet at a time, one interview at a time. 
Men, they just don't know, Jasmine. They they don't know. I don't listen, think they're ready. Y'all, listen, y'all not in our group chat. So y'all don't know the stuff that we have been doing and the dedication that we have been putting in to really make sure that we change this space. Like, y'all, we, we, we go through so much to try to make sure that we do what the fans want. Because I think for the first time now in track and field, we need to listen to the people. So, you know, we definitely put in the hours, definitely put in the work, straining our brains. And I think it's... I, when y'all see when y'all see what we gonna do, when y'all look one or two years down the line, and y'all come back and look at what me and Jasmine and what the rest of City is Mag been doing, and you know black women photographers and everybody else been been putting their work into, don't be don't be no surprise when stuff looks vastly different, but it looks different for the better. Yes, absolutely for the better. Caitlin, thank you so much. This was your introductory, your proper introduction because yes. we threw you in with the wolves and you handled it well. So I'm so glad we got to actually introduce you and let the fans get to know you because I'm sure just off this podcast, you're about to get way more fans. <laughs> I hope you're ready. We also, oh, we got to name all of her fans. So we got to get all your soldiers a little Twitter name. My soldiers? Nah, that's just my family. That's just my family. I can't give, I, I feel weird if I give them some kind of name. I don't want to be like, you don't have to name them. This is their job. You guys name yourselves. You guys are her fans. You're her ride or dies. You guys love her. You support her. Y'all my family, bro. Y'all my family. Y'all come up with a little name so that we could, could tweet at you guys when, put the little hashtag whenever we need your backup for something. Because <laughs> we gonna need it a lot, okay? We gonna need it a lot. What we okay, well then Miss Me, Miss Google Me, Miss Google Me gonna need a hashtag too. We gonna work on that too. The trooper's gonna work on it. Caitlin, we got. I could keep going with you for forever on this podcast. So I got it right here. <laughs> Thank you oh for everyone God. who listened. Caitlin, I'm. I'm gonna text you. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Jasmine. I love you, girl. Love you too. All right. Bye.